Welcome to the Keto Lifestyle Podcast hosted by nutritional coach Jessica Tai, where we are dedicated to promoting health and overall well-being through nutrition, specifically the ketogenic diet. We will provide you with all the latest science in nutrition, interviews with experts in the health and wellness field, and answer all your burning questions so you can find optimal health. This podcast is not intended to be used as medical advice and is to be used for informational purposes only. Please contact your doctor with any and all medical questions. Now here's Jessica. Hello and welcome to episode number 53 of the Keto Lifestyle Podcast and this is your host Jessica Tai. So hello, welcome, and I'm excited to be talking to you guys again this week. So if you've been watching my social media, like mostly Instagram, some Facebook too, but you would see that I have been doing a lot of traveling the over the last uh, week, and we we didn't go far. We, we just took a, a, really, it could have been a day trip, but we just tried to kind of space it out and make it like this fun little trip. So it's been kind of fun. It was very fun, actually, but I've been trying to kind of get back into the groove of things here at home. So it's been just a little bit crazy, as it always is, I'm sure, for any of you mamas and papas out there that know what it's like when you travel with kids and then you come back and you've got suitcases full of stuff and now you got lots of laundry and you got to try to get all this stuff put away. And I have to tell you, just in case you're wondering, that I have been back for three days and still have suitcases that are not completely unpacked or put away. <laughs> so I don't know how many of you really get that done right away. I know I like to get it done right away. But sometimes I'm not able to. And I have a really good excuse this time because we have been having too much fun. So lots of you guys know from listening that we have these vacation rental properties, a couple of them here uh, near us that we rent out. One of them is our cabin. And our cabin is on six and a half acres of land with a beautiful barn, a nice big red barn on the property. And the acreage that's that the cabin sits on, the cabin sits on just like a small area of the property. And then all the rest of it is basically uh, pastures for animals. So used to be horses there before we bought it. And the barn and pastures have been empty since we purchased the property back in December of last year. And so we just worked on, you know, um, updating the house and, you know, we redid the kitchen and just kind of did all those things, decorated the house, got it set up and ready to be on Airbnb and, and VRBO and all that stuff and be rented for vacation rentals. And so we kind of focused on that and, but we, you know, my goal from day one of buying that house was to be able to get some animals back out there. So we have not had animals, uh, farm animals in my life for about the last eight to 10 years. And prior to that, I grew up on a horse farm, a small hobby farm. So we had horses, we had goats, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then um, I was without animals for a, a while when my husband and I first got married, and then we ended up buying a farm, and, and again, a small a small ho- hobby farm. We had 21 acres at that farm that we had, and then I had, uh, we had built a barn and everything, and we had numerous horses, we had some goats, uh, pygmy goats, and we had a little sheep, little lamb, and, you know, 
of course, barn cats and all that kind of thing. So that was awesome. We had that when my uh, two oldest boys were very little, when they were just little toddlers. And they grew up with that and riding ponies and doing all that fun stuff. So it was great. And it kind of got me back to what I really enjoyed doing. Fast forward a few years, we ended up selling that home and moving and where we live now and where we've lived for the last like nine years is very suburban, very, very much in suburbia. And we have not, again, for all this time, I have not had animals. So any of you that live on a farm or grew up on a farm or, you know, you know that once it's in your blood, if that's who you are, it is really hard to walk away from that and not have that in your life. Like you constantly want that. And I have just, I mean, there's times I just feel like I'm going crazy. Like I'm just in this fishbowl in this suburban neighborhood and don't get me wrong it's really nice and it, and it's awesome and there are lots of people that that it's perfectly fine for and they never want for anything more than that no more land or anything and that is totally fine and that's everybody has their own preference and I'm definitely not knocking anybody that likes their neighborhood home that's perfectly fine but for me growing up in a farm kind of environment and running around barefoot in the fields and in the barn and you know playing and being outside and in nature and outdoors and dirty and you know it just that's how it grew up and that is that's just part of me and so it's hard to take that part away and still feel like just still feel like you like it you know it is it's a stress actually <laughs> you know it's a stressor so We've been working really hard at getting back to having, at least starting with some small animals and going working our way back up to the horses. And I do still have a horse. She is living in Texas with some friends of ours currently, but we will be bringing her back home at some point. But horses are a lot of work and they require a lot of fencing and they require a lot of, there's a lot that goes into horse keeping. Um, you know, it's, I've heard people say before, which is very true, that the inexpensive part of earning, owning a horse is buying one because people will say, well, you know, gosh, how much money did you spend on that horse? And if you tell them, you know, oh, that horse was $10,000, they're like, oh my gosh, that's so expensive. That's crazy. And they're like, oh, well, that's the cheap part because <laughs> buying a horse for that is nothing like what you pay trying to own a horse. Um, they are hay burners, which means they just eat and eat and eat hay and they eat pasture up like crazy and they wreck fences and they wreck barns and they wreck themselves. And so you're just constantly spending money on them. And then you would think, why in the world would you want that animal then? But again, once it's in your blood, if it's just what you love, it's just, it's this drive that I can't explain. You just want it. You just feel like it's part of who you are and you need to have them. So as crazy as they are, uh, that's, that's just the way it is. Um, but anyway, so we thought we would start off with some smaller animals and I was really anxious to get my kiddos, especially our little ones, our, my 11 year old son actually still, he still remembers the farm that we used to have barely, but he remembers it and he really wanted animals back again because he spent, you know, pretty much the majority of his life without them. And then my two little girls, of course, uh, Gabby is crazy about all animals and everything so she wanted him back and then my little Lily I feel like with uh, her special needs they would be very therapeutic for her to be in the environment where she could play with little animals and be in the barn and just just the grounding experience uh, that that brings 
So we were very anxious to do this uh, for, for lots of reasons, and those are some of them. So we went out this past uh, last few days, actually. We just got back um, Sunday, and so today I'm recording. It's Tuesday, and over the last two days, we have uh, managed to accumulate five new animals to our farm and we started with our little puppy his name currently is Luke although there are a couple of kids that are not liking his current name so I'm not sure if it's gonna stay Luke I'm trying to be uh, trying to let them make the decision on the name I had all kinds of names that I wanted to name them and they shot them all down so we're trying to go with something that the kids will agree on but he is a great Pyrenees, and he is about um, almost nine weeks old, I guess now, and he is huge. I mean, he's not, I mean, he is a puppy, but he looks to me like pretty much, I would think that he was 16 or more weeks old. And when you're talking about puppies, there's a big difference between an eight-week-old puppy and like a 16-week-old puppy. They do a lot of growing in that time. And it's hard. I keep forgetting that this guy is so young because he's so big. But he'll be about 120 pounds or so when he's full grown. And we got him because they are guardian dogs for livestock. So they are supposed to be about the best ones out there. They're very friendly. They're very laid back. They're great with kids. And um, But yet, at the same time, they are ferocious guardians of their flock or their herd. So um, all the little animals that we're bringing onto the farm and the horses eventually will be under Luke's care. And so he will be the protector. And so where we live in our area, there are a lot of foxes, which are not much of a threat to horses, but they are, I'm, I'm sorry, to um Foxes, yeah, to horses, but they are definitely a threat to the smaller animals like goats and sheep and whatnot, um, and chickens, that type of thing. And then we also have coyotes, and coyotes are really prevalent in our area. We live in a very our our actual residence that we live in, our home, is in a very suburban area, and we have seen we have spotted three coyotes in our yard since we moved here two years ago in this specific home that we're in. So, um, and they are spotted all the time. And so at the, the farm that we have, the cabin, our neighbor said that we, we've got coyotes there all the time. There are a ton of them there. We've got a lot of woods around the cabin and there's more land there. And it's, uh, it's just the neighboring town to where we live. Literally, it's five, six minutes down the road, but it is a there's a little more green space in that area, so there is a lot more space for the coyotes and a lot more deer, which the coyotes do hunt. So anyway, so we definitely need to protect the animals. So that is why we have Luke. So we've got him in training right now. He's not much of a protector at eight weeks old, but he's learning. And we've been seeing some really promising things from him. So it's pretty cool to see him kind of the natural instincts already coming alive in him. So it's really cool. And then we have also accumulated uh, four other new little guys. So it's kind of fun because all these guys are the same age or roughly the same age. They're in the same age, a uh, couple of weeks with of each other, which is roughly about eight to ten weeks old, all of them. So we have two fainting goats, which are super sweet guys. They're adorable. So we have their twins. It's a doe, which is a female goat, and a weather, which is a male goat that has been neutered. So we have those two little guys, and they are, I think they're coming up on about 10 weeks old. 
and they're just really sweet. So our doe is has been named now. All the kid the kids have named all these little guys. So we've got Princess Fiona is the doe, and she's really sweet. She's white and she's got uh, brown like tan fawn colors. And she honestly, at first glance, she looks like a little deer. She's just really cute. And then her brother, her twin brother, uh, doesn't look anything like her. He is black and white and beautifully marked as well. And his name is Oreo, of course, go figure. And then we have a li another little goat and he is a pygmy goat. And this little guy just turned eight weeks old and he is tiny. He is about, he's it le probably less than half the size of the fainting goats. And his name is Willie, as in Willie Nelson. And he is adorable. He is the, just the speckled, like uh, gray color, like salt and pepper, I would call it. Definitely looks like, uh, like salt and pepper. So super cute little guy, very friendly. He is just, you know, he was just taken from his mama. So he is looking at us to be his new family and he literally follows me everywhere. I just put a little video out tonight um, of him uh, on Facebook, of him chasing me through the farmyard. Uh, just as I walk around, it was just, he's just so cute. He's so funny, but so that's Willie. And then we have one more addition, which is his name. And he came with this name. We have not named him yet. And his name is Quinn and he is a lamb. And he is, I, I can't remember the exact name of the lamb. It starts with a K, the breed, but it's a, what they call a hair sheep. So we've had sheep in the past that you had to have uh, shorn, which is where you have to have somebody come or you do it yourself. But I didn't do it, um, but we would have somebody come and they um, basically take a clippers and they clipper all of the wool off. And you have to do that a couple of times a year or they they just get totally over, overloaded with wool. So I wanted specifically a hair sheep this time. And what that means is they actually shed their wool on their own. So you don't actually have to clip them. And since we wanted this for a pet and we're not selling the wool or making sweaters or anything cool like that, <laughs> then I thought we don't need the wool. We'll just get a hair sheep. So my son, Max, which is our 14 year old, specifically wanted a sheep because when we lived at our farm before, his favorite little animal that we had there was a little sheep. So um, anyway, so Quinn, the, what makes him so special and so awesome is he was actually bottle raised by people. So the people that we got him from, his breeders, his mama, when he was born, was unable to nurse him. Her milk did not come in and she's a little bit um, of an of an older sheep, they said. And so they, her uh, breeding days are over, I guess. And so she just was unable to take care of him. So they had to start breeding, uh, bottle feeding him on the second day of life. So uh, as soon as they realized that the mom wasn't going to be able to do it. So he is, he thinks he's a person and he follows you around. So today I was out at the farm, like doing some cleanup work and working on some fence gates and stuff like that. And he would just position himself in between me and whatever I was working on and it was like doing his little you know ba at me and was rubbing his nose all over my face and trying to you know trying to get my attention so it was really sweet he's a very sweet little guy and but stubborn is all get out. He's super sweet, but as soon as you want him to go somewhere that you want him to go, he will just, he's like a donkey, like 
locks up and will not move <laughs> and you literally have to like drag him where you want him to go. Um, he's so funny, but he's a little, little guy too. He's bigger than all of the goats, but, uh, but he's young and super sweet. So that's our little lineup for now. And we're just gonna start with those those little guys and let them all kind of grow up a little bit and get used to one another. And we've got some thoughts of some other animals to add, but it was a wonderful day today. I was working hard on some fencing, doing some fence work and things out at the farm today and had my girls out there with me. And Lily was really awesome to see her sitting in the stall. She was just sitting on the ground in the straw inside the stall, uh, holding the little baby goat and brushing them and, and playing with them and stuff. She was really enjoying it. And I was trying to show her tonight, like the proper way to hold them. And she wasn't really understanding that she was picking them up by their head. And it was just it's like, Oh my gosh, this poor little goat. So now she knows how to hold them properly. And she's so uh, it was really exciting. So it's just, it's fun to see them just out there enjoying it. My little girl Gabby was helping me uh, with the post hole digger. I mean, literally she was doing it. I mean, she really was doing it. She was, you know, put, she wanted me to show her how to do it so she could do it. And she did it for a while. And that's hard work. If you guys have never done that, that's some serious hard work, especially in 90 plus degree temps in the middle of the day, sun beating down on us. And she's a hard little worker. So we installed a fence post for the gate and she helped me fill it back in and she was really getting into it. So it was a great activity for us and I'm really looking forward to it. I've been going over in the mornings. It's only been two mornings, but uh, going over in the mornings when the puppy gets up, currently the puppy is still living at our house with us. Uh, he will move to the barn shortly. Uh, we want him to really bond with the animals there. But until he gets a little bit older, we've been keeping him here with us and letting him bond with us a little bit. And he gets me up pretty early, um, even early for this house, which typically gets up early anyway. He's um, getting, starts whining to go out at about six o'clock in the morning. And so I just get up with him and let him go potty. And then I throw him in the truck with me and we head over to the farm and We've been just sitting over there and enjoying the animals together and all that. So so it's been fun. So that brings you guys totally up to date with everything going on in our crazy household. There is a lot going on. So if you are on social media and you've been seeing some of that stuff and the dog and all that, now you know kind of the backstory. <laughs> so it's been a whirlwind. It's been a crazy few days. So this uh, episode here, this podcast episode is a very special one to me because I am doing an interview for you guys today, but I am interviewing my mom. So my mom has been dealing with a chronic autoimmune condition for many years, uh, 11 or 12 years actually. And uh, we are going to talk about that autoimmune condition today in this podcast episode. And she is going to kind of give you guys the backstory and let you know what, how things have been going and what she's been doing in regards to a ketogenic diet and how that has helped her. Um, her specific autoimmune condition has that she has been struggling with is rheumatoid arthritis. So I know that there are lots of people out there that struggle with this. I hear about it all the time. And so I am really thankful that she agreed to come on here. She was nervous to do it, and um, I'm just really grateful that she did it. And I hope that you guys will be grateful as well, and we'll be able to share this episode with other people if you know someone that is struggling with RA specifically or any kind of autoimmune condition. So 
without any further ado, let's just get into the interview. So I am welcoming to the show today, my mama. (laughs) So uh, I am here in McKee, Kentucky. We are sitting at my mom's kitchen table in her kitchen, and we're just going to talk because my mom is doing keto, which is awesome because they say, you know, this is funny. I don't think I talked to you about this, but they say that there's this syndrome called powdered butt syndrome. Have you heard of this? No. (laughs) So haven't heard of it. They say powdered butt syndrome. And actually I got this from my uh, sweet friend, Ken Berry, Dr. Ken Berry, which I know you love. love Dr. Ken. (laughs) So maybe I'll get to introduce you to him someday because he is a hoot. He's, he's a lot of fun and his beautiful wife, Nisha is amazing. But anyway, uh, so he is the one I believe that introduced me to this whole concept of powdered butt syndrome. And the, what that is, is that if you will never take medical advice or wellness advice from someone whose butt you powdered. <laughs> <laughs> We're finished. <laughs> so, but I thought that was so awesome. So I'm like, you know what? You're so right. Cause I've always said it as you can't be a prophet in your own hometown. Have you heard that before? Yes. Too? Like even yep. Jesus couldn't, his family was like, who do you think you are, right? So it's the same kind of idea of like if you powdered somebody's butt, if you knew Jesus when, nobody's going to believe that he's really a prophet. Nobody's going to believe that their son, daughter, you know, whoever is that could be like you knew me when, right? So it's like that kind of thing. But I think it's funny. So, and I am actually not the person that necessarily like I didn't preach keto to you or like try to no. get you into it necessarily but I so I just think it's it's awesome it's an awesome story and it's awesome that you're doing it and so I wanted to have you on to talk to the listener or just kind of share your story so that the other listeners could hear this because you have a really amazing story spanning a, a decade really, right? Oh, longer. That you've been dealing with. So my mom was eventually diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, which is what she has currently still your diagnosis is rheumatoid arthritis. But so I'd like for you to go back to the beginning and kind of tell us how this even started for you. Because I remember back when, so my mom was a nurse and well, is a nurse, I guess, but you were working um, as a nurse at the time. And I remember how things basically started unraveling for you. And yes. so can you kind of just talk, talk about how that started and what it was like? Uh, yes. Uh, the first thing that happened to me, I noticed um, just pain in my hands, a lot of aches and pains mm-hmm. all over. Didn't feel as good as I thought I should, but then I thought, well, I'm getting older and mm-hmm. I am so active. Yeah. That it just has to be age. And you've been active your whole it, life. My whole life. I mean, you grew up on a farm. On a farm. Right. Yes. And I mean, and I remember. Always active. And we would do things like, you know, Derek remembers, my husband, he would always remember, <laughs> or he always comments on like when we would go get hail ba- hay. I know one time, I think one time, he came with us to get the bales, yes. bales of hay <laughs> out of the field. And he's still, it's like, child labor. That was like, <laughs> that, that was like cruel. I'm like, Derek, it's 
called farm life. Like that's what yes. you do. <laughs> but that was your whole life was yes. hard work like that. I grew up on a farm and then we did mm-hmm. some farming when you were young. Minor, so minor farming. Minor, but still. Mini farm, right. mini farm, but, but still. But yeah, but still. So you're probably thinking hard work. at this, you know, you're thinking, well, I'm just getting older. I did. And Things are breaking down. Outside the home and mm-hmm. at home, I thought, well, I'm just aging. Mm-hmm. Because you always hear about the aches and pains, which right. are very real. But, sure. Um, but it's like a sentence. It's like, yeah. you're getting old, that's what's going to happen. So I was at my general practitioner's one day, just for my usual checkup. Mm-hmm. And he said, any new aches and pains? And I said, well, you know, my hands hurt more lately because they had really been bothering me. But I thought, well, it's it's aging. But he said, I tell you what, he said, that's unusual for you. So why don't we have you see a specialist or mm-hmm. get some x-rays or something? And, and I said, well, I'll think that over. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought about it for about a minute. <laughs> and then, you know, I thought, I'm okay. I'm just tired. Yeah. I'm, I'm working too hard. Yeah. And so I let it go and it continued. Was this during the time you were nursing? Doing Actually, I was doing home health care okay. at the time. Okay. Yep. Um and then um I guess the next thing that happened, that just progressed. I had more aches and pains mm-hmm. and still didn't think a whole lot of it. Um then I started getting a swelling in my throat and jaw area, mm-hmm. and my throat would get kind of sore. And so I went to uh, the doctor, and he mm-hmm. sent me to a ear, nose, and throat specialist. And he said, oh, yes, you've got an infection, I think. So they put me on antibiotics. This went on, I don't know how many times I did rounds of antibiotics, and the swelling would go away, yeah. but it came right back. Right. So I went... And was this, was he telling you this was like lymph node swelling? Yes, it was lymph node, okay. um, <clears throat> possibly sal- salivary gland, the, okay. the main one mm-hmm. on the uh, left side. So anyway, he said, you know, you could have a cancer or something. We really need to go in there and take a look. Wow. So he goes, I said, well, okay, because, you know, when they say the C word, you get a little nervous oh, about yeah, it. right, sure. Well, and, and you've had cancer yes. issues before with skin cancer. Yes. So you didn't want to take any chances. No. You're like, no. whatever you I say. Thought, yes. I thought, well, he's a specialist. And, right. And he uh, was supposed to be a very good ear, nose, mm-hmm. and throat specialist, so... Um, I let him do the minor surgery, and they took out a lymph node and salivary gland. Hmm. And uh, that seemed to do the trick, but now I know that that was probably the RA also mm-hmm. in causing that. Sure. Um, then, it was kind of like a warning yes, sign. At yes. that time, it was just starting to... Yeah, because when they, you know, the pathology showed there was nothing wrong. Right. So that just, should have set off warning bells, you yeah. would think, to the doctor, right? Like, yeah. okay, well, why is this Why did this? that happen? But he did his job. Right. That's it. Does, and that's know, it. Go like home we now. were talking about it's all good. just a few minutes ago is pretty much your allopathic doctors, their two courses of action is to give you pills, which they mm-hmm. did, or do surgery. Right. So they either take out the problem or mask the problem. That's one right. of the two. That's right. And so he did his job and say, okay, go home. You're so, done now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Come back yeah. when something Bye-bye. else needs removed. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's I not, it's not funny, but it's, 
No, but it is almost true. comical that that's, you know. So then I'm uh, working in a um, nursing and rehabilitation mm-hmm. place. I guess it was probably a couple of years later, maybe just a year. And you had been doing night shift, though. So you were, oh, night you were shift. a shift worker. And that's I was a night shift. really hard. Stress. I love night shift. I know you do it love it, but it's very stressful on your yeah. body. Yeah. Yeah. You've got so many patients and not enough help when mm-hmm. you work night shift. That is for sure. And then your sleep cycle's bad. Right, and, right, which is hard. Yes. Um, but anyway, um, still with the aches and pains yeah. all the time, thinking I'm just overdoing it, uh, not getting enough rest. Mm-hmm. And one day I'm at work and all of a sudden my one of my ankles just, oh, the worst pain. I just about hit the floor. I mean, it hurt. Mm. And it swelled up, and I thought, I didn't do anything to hurt this. How did this happen? But I went to the doctor. They sent me to a specialist. So uh, this man worked with, uh, mostly with ankles, feet, legs, Mm -hmm. joints, and bones. Mm -hmm. So he was convinced that he asked me if I'd ever had any injuries. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I did many years ago. I sprained my ankle in a horse wreck. I was going to say, <laughs> um, you were there. Which, which horse incident would you like to talk about? Because seriously, they've tossed me, run over me, stepped on me, <laughs> backed into me. <laughs> Yes, this was not a good one. Like, as this a matter of a fact, wreck. I'm surprised I have ankles <laughs> at this point. Yes. So, yeah. yes. so he said, well, you know, that ankle's probably weak. Just we'll an need, old injury kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, old injury. It's acting up. We need mm-hmm. to go back and fix. He said, we can fix that. He mm. said, let's see what we can do. Mm-hmm. So in the meantime, I'm doing therapy, which is making it worse. Mm. I mean, he, he before he did surgery, he tried therapy right. and all which of that. Which is like physical therapy. Physical you therapy. To, so it was like working the ankle more. And it was you, making oh. it worse. And the other one then started swelling up just as bad as the oh one that God. was supposed to be damaged. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they were huge and red. Then he said, hmm, well, you're probably overcompensating Hmm. for the the one ankle so bad. I think you're overusing the good ankle, and now they're both bad. So, you know, okay. (laughs) He's the the knowledgeable one. Right. So I took his word for it. I didn't know what else to do. Sure. So he says, well... We better do surgery on that. He said before we ruin the good one. Right, right. And you're like, so, okay, well, okay, right. You don't We've want it. Well, and, you, and your your job, your career, oh. is spent on your feet. Yes, you're a nurse, and it had gotten so bad. I was still going to work, but mm-hmm. oh my goodness, the pain. I would limp around at work, something awful, and then on my days off. I spent one, if not both days, if I was lucky enough to get two days off. Anyone out there that's nurses knows this. Right, right. With my feet up. So I wasn't Mm -hmm. getting anything else done. But anyway, he did do the surgery. Mm -hmm. I had to take off work, thinking I would go back to work. And the surgery was, from what I remember, 
they put pens, they, right? I've got in your ankles. Yes, two um, like rods. screws yeah, or rods yeah, yeah. or whatever in my ankle. They actually they set up a little further up in my leg. There was a little thinning piece of bone, so they they went up in there and took that out and put artificial bone in there. Oh, my which he said I'd probably had that my whole life. Mm-hmm. But while he was at it, he just fixed that too. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> so, you're like the biotic woman. I thought, you know, I thought well, while I was at this it. is going to be good. <laughs> right. <laughs> I thought I'm going to be this really be good amazing, now. right? Oh, the amazing woman. <laughs> but it didn't work out that way. I after the surgery, I ran fevers. Mm. I was so sick. I was in, I guess, a crisis oh, yeah. where it had stressed me so much. Yeah. Well, and I remember, I what I remember about it is visiting you and you in that chair, that recliner, oh. all the time. And sometimes your your ankles and legs up your legs were so red they and were hot and swollen, and you were just yeah. in a ton of pain. Awful. And so that went on for months. Which, of course, now we understand. Yes, it's why? Why that was happening? Because yeah. you were having this, you had this autoimmune thing going on anyway. So you're having this enormous, crazy immune response. Yes. yes. But they're telling you it was bad joints and it, that it had nothing to do with your immune well, system. The doctor finally, after going back, I don't know how many times, in awful shape, mm-hmm. I couldn't hardly get into the doctor building mm-hmm. to see him um, he finally said you know he said I thought maybe you were rejecting the artificial bone mm-hmm. I thought maybe you were just rejecting the uh, he said I don't have I haven't had anyone that rejected the type of screws or whatever it was yeah. that I put in but I thought maybe you were right. he said but that's not it they kept testing and right. watching and oh I don't know how many MRIs I had of it so they could see but there was always so much inflammation and mm-hmm. he couldn't understand why so then he finally said you're going to have to go see some other Another doctors specialist. Some, he did oh, he gosh. said there's something else uh, going on here and I don't know what it is yeah. so in the meantime I did go to the family doctor, mm-hmm. and they decided it was uh, just a uh, infection or inflammation, cellulitis, mm-hmm. I think is what they said it mm-hmm. was. I'm pretty okay. sure. Anyway, so more antibiotics. Which doesn't... So anything with an itis just means swelling. I had all the itises. Right. Yes. So I'm just trying to figure <laughs> yes. this out. So basically, but, right. the, but here's, here's the cells were, it, were exactly. Right. So it sounds so, uh, oh. this is such great doctor talk though, right? Doctors oh. speak like you have cellulitis. Oh yeah. But when you actually break that down, you're like, wait a minute. Does it, aren't you just telling me that my sw- cells are swollen? Like, yes. thanks genius. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're pretty sure we had that part down. <laughs> yeah, and and I, I asked, I said, well, why would I have that? I don't have any cuts or anything. Right. How would, what is causing it? Right. Uh, maybe you nicked yourself a little shaving. I don't know. Oh I don't gosh. see anything. So this is in the, both legs. Right. So this both is legs. the fancy word for I don't know what's that, going on. I wish they had said I right. really don't know. But you have some swelling. So this yes. is what we're going to call it. Yes. Thanks. Have a nice day. Here's some so, more pills. <laughs> I don't know how many times I was back and forth with that. Gosh. 
while waiting to see other specialists, but I was taking antibiotics, and the swelling would go down some on those. Mm-hmm. Um, so ended up I saw an infectious disease specialist. Wow. They couldn't find anything. <laughs> they checked for Lyme disease, everything in the book. Right, right. Um, eventually they sent me, I believe it was them that sent me to the rheumatologist. Mm-hmm. Well, it wasn't manifesting like normal rheumatologist, and it was, uh, you know, it checked negative in the blood. Uh-huh. Um, because I do remember Sarah that, negative. too. I remember you saying they don't think it's RA because yeah. I don't have, they're not, they don't know what to call it. Yes. They don't know what it is. And it was just battery of test after battery of test trying yes. to figure out. Went on for, for so long. And finally they said, well, it, it has to be RA. We, they've ruled just about everything else out that mm-hmm. they can think of. So they started treating me with... Um, the chemotherapy drug methotrexate, mm-hmm. and we tried other things too that mm-hmm. just didn't work. So I'm still taking methotrexate a lot less now that I'm keto. Mm-hmm. Which is <laughs> Thank exciting. Goodness. Because, you know, that has its own side effects, which aren't pleasant. Well, yeah, I was going to say that. So the methotrexate that, that you're taking and that you have been taking is kind of the lesser of some of the evils that you've been on. Yeah, through this journey. Yes, and and the newer drugs I can't take or shouldn't take because I've had uh, melanoma skin cancer. Mm-hmm. So I have to be real careful what I do mm-hmm. take. Um, but I think they've come out with a couple that would be a possibility now, but they would be just out of my price range. I was going to say they're so expensive. Too expensive I mean, for me. And you pay a fortune anyway. I do. The way it is. Uh, I mean, my medical is really high. Yeah. Um, and then, and, and f- over the years with you taking these drugs, these chemotherapy drugs, which is insane to me that yeah. you've had to take those for this long, for the, how long have you been taking the chemotherapy drugs? I have been on them, I'm thinking about 11 years. 11 years yes. of chemotherapy. Yes, once a week. And that is just insane. And it's but just to keep had my, to do it. I've had to do it. If I don't do it, I have no quality mm-hmm. of life. I mean, your, it, your flares, they're called, right? Uh, yes. Get so bad. Yes. That it's just excruciating. It's terrible. And, I, but then, I have a walker still yet in the bedroom here mm-hmm. because it gets so bad sometimes I have to have a walker. But then even the chemotherapy drugs, on the flip side of it, taking those, there I know that that knocks you down for a day or two. At least they yeah, used to where still, you'd be so sick. A day and a half mm-hmm. where I'm just weak and tired, mm-hmm. sometimes nauseated, always a headache. Yeah. Um, it's poison. It I is. I mean, it's poison. It is. And it's to keep my immune system down mm-hmm. because, of course, with RA, it is your immune system doing all right. the, you know, right. acting up. But And so through all this, though, so through all of the stuff that you've been going through, the stuff that strikes me, because I am so focused on nutrition and all that stuff, is just the fact that no one, or I'm assuming, well, I know the answer, but but I'm assuming no doctor has ever said to you, what do you eat? Or we should change your diet. No. Which Never. blows my mind. Never. You've said it. <laughs> <laughs> but I powdered your butt. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so 
then I just zip my lip and I say, okay, take your mexotrophate, whatever. Can... I'm just not going to say anything else. But, but yeah, I mean, but doesn't that just... It's just crazy to me. It's crazy that no one would say, you know, there is this potential that you are eating something that is not agreeing with you and that your body is not able to handle whatever they think it is, which which I've been taught that it that you end up with what's called leaky gut, where there's something that is weakening the lining in your intestines and is allowing a reaction where your immune system is every time you have that thing, your immune system is lit up, man, because the invader is here and it has to take care of it because you can't have things escaping into your bloodstream. It'll kill you. So your body is just going ape thinking that you've got this invader and I understand that that doctors are not trained to think this way especially in allopathic medicine but it does blow my mind because they do get the schooling that they at least know they know enough about nutrition about what feeds your what makes your cells what makes your body what your body is I mean you'd think just on that level they'd be like hey do you ever eat anything that are you just eating Cheetos all day or do you actually eat some kind of real food but to never ask that never mention it never it just blows my mind never so tell me how you made that decision like what like what just were you just like this is it I can't do this anymore there's got to be something I mean what is it for just about a solid year, I had a flare. I could not totally get rid of it. I'd get a little better, usually because I was on steroids. Mm-hmm. I hate steroids. Mm-hmm. They are not good to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they do take the inflammation sure. down. Sure. Sometimes I have to do it because it gets so bad mm-hmm. just to keep going. Right. And with that was more weight gain. Uh-huh. Uh, it always causes me to gain weight mm-hmm. if I'm on them very long. So my weight kept creeping up, and I kept watching you and Derek, and you <laughs> had so much energy and seemed mm-hmm. so, you just seemed to feel so good. Right. And uh, then your brother Jason mm-hmm. and his wife started this diet, and they yeah. were doing so good, and I thought, man, I'm getting on this bandwagon, right. even if I did powder your butts. <laughs> right. So... <laughs> Well, because if you're gaining weight and you're having issues with joints, that's just I, compounding it, right? That's, that was how I started. I thought, <clears throat> if I keep gaining weight, I won't be able to walk yeah. when I have these flares because right. it's, you know, every pound is that much more pressure. Right. Because my RA hits my ankles and feet yeah. and knees more than anywhere else. Right. I your get legs it all over. But, your, but that's where yeah, it that's always has been the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess that manifests differently for other different people. people. It could be different. Yeah, most people I've known, it's their hands is what hurts the most. My mm-hmm. hands are about the best part on me. Wow. And Even I'm though blessed. you started noticing that early oh, on. Oh, yes. But yeah. for whatever reason, that never... Yeah. But they, they still ache, but it's mm-hmm. nothing like the ankles and feet. That's interesting. And, but I consider that a blessing, really. Oh, yeah. But, um, oh, yeah. Because, yeah, I have known people that with oh, very yes. arthritic hands, yes. and that's really terrible. I mean, it's all terrible, but 
You just think it, if you can even work yeah. with them, your hands right. at all, right? Like, <clears throat> I think that would bad. be even worse. Mm -hmm. But but anyway, so I decided to start this diet more thinking I would maybe feel a little better, but mm -hmm. lose some weight, and that right. would make getting around easier. Sure. And, and maybe the pain would be a little less. And this is a perfect example. <clears throat> Sorry to interrupt you again, Sorry. but this is a perfect example of why I am not on the bandwagon of there are a lot of keto of people in the keto space that are very much against the whole doing keto for weight loss and they mm -hmm. you know and they get kind of they get very they're very passionate about that people should not come to it for weight loss and I very much am like you know what if that's what brings you in so be it come to it come to it that right. way that's fine <laughs> because if you had not been it, it had not been driven by the desire to lose the weight even and and for you it was it was you really did have a lot of medical reasoning behind why you wanted to lose mm -hmm. the weight. But even if you didn't, even if it was completely, totally right, you know, I can't even think of the right word. I what still would that? get the benefits. Yes, you still so, would have inadvertently gotten the health yeah. benefits and be like, oh my gosh, who what? knew? Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> I was just doing this to look better in my clothes, and look, I'm you know amazing now. So anyway, go ahead with your. <laughs> well, I feel. So much better. I started this in February. Mm -hmm. February of 2018. Yeah, this year. That's right. And okay. I was still in that flare. Mm -hmm. um, I had been in it for a probably a solid year. Mm -hmm. Could not totally shake it. It mm -hmm. would get better, and then, but I hadn't been completely flare free for about a year. Mm -hmm. It was a rough year. Yeah. And so, so you live, just to give uh, listeners a little bit of an idea, so you are here in Kentucky where we're recording right now because yes. we are visiting you, but um, you will travel up to Cincinnati where you have lived in the past, where we live, and you can't, there were times, several times this past year that you canceled coming up yes. to visit because you were hurting so yes. bad you didn't think you could do it. It just, mm -hmm. it wouldn't have been a, a good visit if I got right. there because... I'd be hurting. Right. So, and it's like a... And I don't want, you know, to be visiting people in that and, condition. Yeah. So you're... Because you're... It's about a, what, three, three and a half hour drive? We always seem to incorporate other things in the trip, so I don't even yeah. know what the straight shot is. I, well, I always have to... With RA, you know, yeah. I stop two or three times mm -hmm. and get out and just walk at roadsides. Right. And, you know. Keep your joints yeah. moving. If I don't, then I pay for it mm -hmm. <laughs> when I do stop. Yeah. But, uh, so yeah, it takes me somewhere between three and three and a half to okay. get to your house. Okay. So yeah, it's so, a good, it's a good size trip. that's with quick stops, but yeah. two or three quick stops. Okay. So yeah, so last year, so then you started, it was, it was bad. So then in February, you just decided you're going to try I, this. I decided I was going to try the diet. I'm not saying how heavy I got, but it was heavier than I wanted to be. I mean, yeah. I've been heavier than I wanted to be for years, but, yeah, but I mean, I had reached that point where, you know, my ankles, I, I yeah. just cannot get another pound. And you're not, you're not a normally overweight person. I mean, you've always been kind of a more petite and been active you've always been a very active very athletic active. person and yeah. so the the weight gain has really come from medical issues and the pills and the steroids and the actually it it has mm -hmm. before I started having medical issues yeah um I was not heavy at all right yep but mm, yeah I remember sharing clothes with you when I was little. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you were not, not little enough that you shared clothes with your 
very what, young 14, daughter. 15 yeah, year yeah, old. Yeah. So <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> but who knows? I mean, look, sky's the limit, woman. You can. <laughs> it's really <laughs> slow going for me, but it's going. It's been amazing. I mean, <laughs> it's yeah. Going. So okay, so February started. So we are now re-recording this in July, the first part of July. Yes. So what is that? February. May, June, July, about five months? Close to five okay. months. Not so quite five, five months. months. Another week or so, mm-hmm. I guess, and it'll be five months. And how's it going? It's, well, how did you start? Well, because I know you started, but, like, where did you, like, what did you just just be like, well, I'll just eat all the butter and stop eating the potatoes? <laughs> no, I went, Jason and Sarah, your mm-hmm. brother and his yep. wife, Visited with the grandkids, and uh, they had lost a lot of weight all of a sudden and looked uh-huh. so good and seemed so happy. And I thought, <laughs> now if they can do it, I can do it. Right, right. And I thought, well, no, because I'd been wanting to lose weight anyway. And I, and Jason said, well, Mom, this is like the easiest diet ever. Right. So, and I knew you and Derek had been doing it, and you mm-hmm. seemed so energetic and <laughs> healthy and... So I thought, well, I'm going to do this because they can have bacon. <laughs> exactly. Seriously. You're like, that's done. Done and done. I can do that. So I did honestly go to the store and bought a lot of bacon <laughs> and some awesome. eggs. And, yeah, yeah. You know, so right. I started like that. And, that's awesome. and so it was like bacon, eggs, broccoli, lots of butter, and yeah. whatever. And uh, keep it simple. I kept it very simple. I still do. I have mm-hmm. to. Right. It, I have to keep it simple. So, um, but uh, within two weeks, my swelling was going down. Your swelling, my swelling from this flare that you had not been able like to a kick year for a year long. Wow. The swelling like started going, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. And I'm, I notice I'm getting up and moving around so much easier. It used to be if I sat down, getting back up is, yeah. like, creaky and pop, right. pop. And, and you're thinking there's no way it's this diet. Yeah. I thought, well, this is coincidence. Right. It must have been going to to slow down anyway. Mm-hmm. But now I don't believe that at all. Right. I, well, one thing is when I went back to the doctor... Let's see, I went to my rheumatologist in December. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got my, your stuff. I've got it right here. Oh, okay. Yeah, my C-reactive protein uh, showed that the inflammation was 27.6. Mm. Which, just for listeners that don't understand this, and I actually <clears throat> pulled this up before we started talking because I wanted to be, I wanted to know for sure. I knew in my brain what it was, but I wanted to actually pull it up here. The American Heart Association and the CDC have guidelines for C-reactive protein levels and what is puts you at a at what risk level you are at based on your C-reactive protein levels. And I just want to put this into perspective for you listening. So, low risk for cardiovascular disease is one milligram per liter or less, okay? So they want you to be at, ideally, you're at one milligram or less. That's low risk. High, just to explain to you, because you would think, okay, well, that's low risk, so maybe what, like 10, 15, 20 is high risk? Oh, no. High risk for cardiovascular disease or any kind of cardio, a stroke, acute plaque rupture, heart attack, um, anything like that is at, three or higher. So just to put that in perspective, and I did say three, like three, three, just one, two, three. Three is 
a high risk for that. If you are above 10, they're like watching you like a hawk that you probably are going to have one of those events happen to you. She was at 27.6. And all they wanted her to do was just get under 10. Like that's how they're like, we're just got to manage this. Just get under 10. So, Mm -hmm. so now that we've like ran that in, ran that home, that was in December, December, you you started the diet in 2018 in February. February. Mm -hmm. So December of 17, you had these high CRP levels. So then you went back in April, April 26th. I went back to the doctor. I was feeling much better. Mm -hmm. The swelling was way down. And I did, by the way, tell him keto. (laughs) And he listened. That's good. That's, That's all good. I can That's say good. is that he listened to me. But yeah. I did tell him I thought that was it. He yeah. said, well, some people say. <laughs> some people well, whatever. say. Yeah. Like, whatever. But, all the things that he was doing didn't work. So but I've got medicine for you. That's right. So <laughs> you so, went back to a- in April. I did. And what was your CRP levels in April? Um, I don't have that in front of me, but I'm almost positive it was two. 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 So you went from... So high risk that uh, you could have a cardiovascular event at any moment to high risk to moderate Mm -hmm. risk. You're between low and moderate now, which that is unbelievable. No additional medications, no change of medications, just the way you're eating, which Mm -hmm. is ketogenic, high fat, moderate protein, low carb, just like that. Take your CRP levels down. That's all I had. Is just amazing. And you've lost how much weight? About 22 pounds. Which is amazing. slow going, but... But you're on all these medications Mm -hmm. that we know your liver is overwhelmed. And we know, one of the things they talk about on the show is that if you have liver congestion and your liver's overwhelmed, you've got your liver's working really hard, you've got all these things going on, it's very difficult to lose weight because your liver is going to control part of that. So that's, it's hard because you are still, your body is still under a lot of stress. But the really cool other thing that you told me is... Is that you have reduced your medication? Yes, I have, and which is amazing. I've cut the methotrexate in half, probably for at least six weeks, which is amazing. And you feel good. I feel good compared right. to what I did. I still have, of course, my aches and pains, yep. but nothing like what. Which is amazing. I had. It's so amazing. So we were actually just talking about a little bit ago when we were having lunch, and we were kind of coming up with some plans and some brainstorms and one of the things that we're talking about is you may yet still even need to up your fat I think I probably yeah. do I'm not good about that mm-hmm. I mean which a lot of people aren't because it's yeah. it's one uh, and I hear this sometimes out in the keto world is people say well all you have to do is just cut out your carbs but really that that's a big piece of the puzzle and I think that's a huge piece of the puzzle for you because the carbohydrates are so inflammatory and I mm-hmm. think for you specifically that's a big issue for you because um, a lot of a lot of people have issues with gluten and mm-hmm. probably that's a big part of the of the uh, autoimmunity with you but uh, um, so cutting out the carbs is a big part of it, but a lot of times I think people leave out it's low carb, moderate protein, high fat. Like it's mm-hmm. getting that high fat piece in there. I keep kind of forgetting that, I yeah. think's what it is. Yeah. Last time I visited you, you said, Mom, because <laughs> I complained, I'm at a stall. Yeah. I was doing okay, now I'm in a stall. And you said, Mom, fat, are you getting plenty of yeah. fat? And I'm 
just like I did today when you asked me that. I'm like, <laughs> well, probably not enough. Right. And when I came home, mm-hmm. I did up my fat. I mean, I really That's started good. putting the butter on the vegetables heavy yeah, and, yeah. you know, melting butter and pouring it over top. And I did lose more weight. Yep. But then I kind of got out because, well, I guess because, you know, all your life, like you've always said, you're told not to eat fat. So I'm not in the habit of pouring the fat on. Mm -hmm. But I do, I think you're right about that. I think I need to eat that fat. Well, and it's so good for you because Mm -hmm. fat is so good for your joints and Mm -hmm. for fighting inflammation anyway. It's just so good for that. So that's another, but you're right because we, I mean, we, especially your generation and my Mm -hmm. generation, we are like the poster children for the low fat diet. I mean, that's how we grew up was that was shoved down our throats Mm -hmm. for, you know, for decades. That's been the message. So uh, I mean, your whole life, my whole life, and now, just now, finally, this many decades later, they're going, uh, you know what, maybe we were wrong about that whole, mm-hmm. <laughs> about the whole low-fat thing, um, but, you know, they won't actually say that. They just take the recommendations away that say, mm-hmm. now, now they're saying, okay, well, um, not to eat high fat, but they've now taken away the the warnings against saturated fat and cholesterol. They've now taken those mm-hmm. warnings away. But they won't go, Oh, we were wrong. Right. You need to have a lot of fat. They just kind of they just kind of back slowly back away <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and hope nobody'll notice as we sneak out the back door. <laughs> we're watching. <laughs> so but it's hard because you, you do, you live your whole life mm-hmm. learning how to avoid fat. And then yes. now all of a sudden you have to retrain your brain and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, wait a minute. I don't need to eat the low-fat chicken breast. I'm supposed to eat the thigh with the skin on it. Yes. And that's hard to remember. And you don't need those super slick pans that the egg slides right. out. <laughs> right. You need that butter in there. That's right. <laughs> right, right, right. And, uh, yeah, I mean, and the yeah, the butter and the butter's huge and butter mm-hmm. tastes so good and bacon. I like butter. I like and bacon. bacon. <laughs> Bacon sold me on this. <laughs> You're like, I can eat what? Bacon. Done. <laughs> in. I can give up. When people say I can't give up bread, I can't give up the cookies, I can't give up. I understand that seems like almost insurmountable. insurmountable. But when you realize all the things you can have, you really don't miss that stuff. Um, there are there are yeah. times that you know I'll be like, man, I really would like to have a cookie or mm-hmm. whatever. And anybody that listens to my podcast knows that I am very much like, you know what? Then just have the cookie. That's fine if that's yes. what you need, you know. Or find a keto version of the cookie that you can have mm-hmm. that can satisfy that. And we were actually just talking about your deal is you like dark chocolate. <laughs> yes, you <laughs> saw my stash. She has a stash, you guys. Like I'm pretty sure that she is. I don't know. You need to buy stock and whatever chocolate <laughs> yes, you're buying. I do. Because you can get some of your money back. <laughs> but no, but so you eat 85% or higher dark chocolate. 85 or 90 usually. Yeah. And that's great. Um, there's not, I don't have any problem with that. Have that's to perfect. have my chocolate. And you said you have to have a piece every day. Not the whole bar. No, not the <laughs> whole bar. Lord, that bar is as big as her head. <laughs> But Makes here's, me feel good to have them here. Yes. Well, <laughs> let me explain. And there will be many people that will understand this listening. And I am one of those people. Gosh, now I'm putting it all together. You're who I got this from. Could be. Oh, man. I am turned into my mother. So 
And I know because I'm a stockpiler too. So the story that she told when we when she showed us her chocolate is what she does is there's a store here. So she, she we're in McKee. This is the hills of oh, Kentucky. Yes, it's a long way yes. to get anywhere. We're, we're nearly in Tennessee, people. I mean, we're this this is the hills. We're in the hill country. So um, so it takes forever. Just I mean, you're like 45 minutes off the highway or something. Whatever it is. Yes, <laughs> is it about 45 least. minutes? Okay, so it takes a long time at to get least. to like a real store. Yes to get anything so for her to get to find 85% dark chocolate is very difficult to do so she found a place that sells it and so she would just normally go and get her chocolate bars when she ran out so she ran out and went to the store to get the chocolate bars and there were no chocolate bars I was jonesing (laughs) so she says I'm jonesing for my chocolate what am I going to do so she has like a breakdown meltdown I did finds another place place that was selling a at least an 85 or 90 percent bar mm-hmm. but not nearly as good which I've had the other brand that she bought and I don't like it either so anyway the next time that store stocked the chocolate that she did like <laughs> she bought them out <laughs> almost people were watching I left a couple <laughs> they were so she's got in her pantry, like she can see it in the army. I mean, y'all can just come over and we'll just have chocolate. Can have some chocolate, not too much. <laughs> so anyway, so she's got this huge stash of chocolate. But I do the same thing. Oh. I'll, I, so I love this Lily's chocolate, which I know you cannot yes. get here, and I know I've, I've you gave you, me right? some, and it was delicious. It's so good. It's really good. But I should have brought some more. I just didn't even think. I didn't even bring any for myself for this trip. I just completely forgot about it. But I can fix you up. Though. Yes, I. I've, <laughs> I, you know, I'll get my fix here, but uh, she, but but that I do the same thing though because my store often runs out that I frequent. I can go. I'm like crying. We're laughing so hard. Um, I can go to like Whole Foods and get my Lily's chocolate, but I don't like to have to go to Whole Foods. I like to go to my local Kroger who sells the Lily's chocolate, but they sell out of it all the time. So mm-hmm. when they have the varieties I want, I will grab most of them that are there and I think when people see me putting that in my cart they're probably like this girl has a problem yes (laughs) I know that's how I feel when I get to the checkout with my pile of candy bars and they're like oh lord lady yeah you need this don't you I'm like no you don't understand I just it makes me feel good to know they're in there if I need them but I it's so crazy because and I know you're the same way with this chocolate I eat the serving size on the lilies. Mm-hmm. I've, I've talked about this in a YouTube video I did recently, actually. Um, was I was talking about the serving size. I think there's three servings in that Lily's chocolate bar, which is quite yes. a bit smaller than the bars <laughs> that you buy. But it's like three servings. I'm like, there is no way that is three servings. I would get sick if I had what they are calling a serving size. You really can't eat that much. When it's this dark chocolate... You can't. Yes, I've noticed that. And and you're kind of losing your sweet tooth that, with the keto yes, thing. I think so. Mm-hmm. I, it takes less to satisfy me. Right. But I have to have it. Yes. <laughs> but I totally agree with that. Not so much. Yes, so it could just be a little Seriously. bit. But those yeah. little lily bars, like I'll buy those and I swear, sometimes it will take me more than a month to eat one bar. Because I don't need it all the time. Like, just... Okay, but you did tell me that you have to have yours <laughs> yes. every day. But, I'm taking that bar with not making a yes. month in my However, house. But, but that is the one thing you have. I do indulge in other keto treats because mm-hmm. I have a house full of kids. 
and you don't have a house full of kids anymore. So you're not constantly making the treats. They want, you know, cookies and snack cakes mm. and things. So I'm always making, like, I make a lot of those good D's, uh, brownies and blondies mm-hmm. and chocolate chip cookies and so I'll usually have that type of stuff around so I don't need to have a piece of chocolate every day but <clears throat> but anyway yeah. yeah that's that's really my only vice yeah um I think like that and and that's but, not I don't even I mean I know you call it a vice but like I don't even think it's that. Oh, big it could be a lot worse. It could be so much worse. And you can't, this, like I say, over and over and over again on here, this is a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You ha- It's a keto lifestyle. You started as a diet for you, but you are realizing this is a lifestyle. You're going to do this for This of your is life. my life. Yes. Because if I can feel this much better mm-hmm. just by changing the way I eat. Yeah. I'm all about it. Right. Like it's not changing. You've been down you've seen the other side. Oh my goodness. You know what can happen when our bodies break down. And I hope other people out there mm-hmm. uh, with RA and like diseases mm-hmm. find this diet too. Yeah. Because or lifestyle, I should yeah. say. This lifestyle. Well that's exactly why this podcast and ones like it exist. And I hope it works for them like it has for me. Yeah. Because it's it's it has been a wonder for me. Mm-hmm. It, it really it's has. It's been huge. Another thing we were talking about the other day uh, on the phone, but when we were planning uh-huh. to come down and visit, what, uh, which just reminded me when you said that, <clears throat> we were talking about mindset too and how different your mindset is now. And oh, yes. Talk a little bit about that because you talk about the, the fog from the RA, and that's one of the things that you know we always are preaching about with this lifestyle is how the the, the just the way that it helps neurologically your brain, which is, by the way, uh, not that this diet was invented in the 20s. This has, I believe this has <coughs> been the me. way we have eaten, you know, forever. Um, and we have just in the last several decades screwed it up. But in the 20s, this ketogenic lifestyle, this ketogenic diet, I should say, because they actually, it was a, they were, they were, manufacturing food shakes specifically for children that had epilepsy but they were making these high fat and and even though i believe it was not good quality stuff they were feeding Mm -hmm. these kids but they learned they figured out that this high fat low carbohydrate you know no sugar diet was neurologically helping these kids so that's one of the things we talk about with this diet is how much better the brain fog is but for you specifically the ra is like a whole nother level i'm much clearer than i was Mm -hmm. maybe not exactly where i want to be but so much better i was in the fog Mm -hmm. it seemed like most of the time i think people refer to it as the rheumatoid fog and it's real Mm-hmm. It is real. Right. It's, and it's just, it, it literally feels like a fog. Yeah. That you does. just can't, you can't think, think and clearly. Can't, can't come up with the word you want to say. Yes. And, and that yeah. has gotten better. I so can tell. Nice... I mean, I feel like I noticed that it's gotten better for you. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> That's like, good to know. You didn't forget my name this time. Um, <laughs> um, um. Are you my, do I know you? <laughs> Come on in, let's get acquainted. (laughs) But no, it's it's very serious. And I'm you know, we're laughing about it and but but it is very serious. Mm -hmm. And 
this, I mean, this is, they're calling Alzheimer's now is now being referred to as type three diabetes Mm -hmm. because they are now understanding that it is the sugar and carbohydrates that are damaging people neurologically that badly. And that is scary. Like think about all the family members. Like I, I know Derek's family and I think Here's the thing that I think we get confused today, and we're starting we're starting to figure this out now with all the emphasis on nutrition. But I think for years, again, your generation and my generation, I think, are, have been like this um, massive experiment we've been a part of over these last couple generations. And one of the things is we've always thought that if you get cancer, if uh-huh. you get heart disease, if you get Alzheimer's, it's genetic. You just mm-hmm. you're just going to get it. There's nothing you can do about it. It's genetic. Grandma had it. You're going to get it. That's just what it is. And I think what we're understanding, well, not what I think, what I know we're understanding now is that it's a lot more about epigenetics. Do you turn that gene on? You may have the genes. Yes. I agree. But is your environment, is the food that you're eating, are the chemicals that are in your home, are the, you know, all, because we are just, there are so many things we can't avoid. Yes. We can't do anything about. Like we, you know, are we going to be able to get all the cars off the road so we don't have the exhaust no that's not going to happen right but there are things we can control and one of the biggest influences we have over our own lives and our own body is what we're eating what we're putting in there what's building our cells and our body and are we turning on those cancerous genes Mm -hmm. or those rheumatoid arthritis genes for example or the Alzheimer's genes are we turning that on or are we keeping it Suppressed because we're not feeding the monster, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. So I think I think that's kind of the thing that we're seeing now, and I'm so happy that we're seeing that, and I'm just really hopeful that the generation behind us, my kids, your grandkids, yes. are going to be learning the right way. I think and figuring this out. I think that this will help the future generations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. Because they're going to start understanding. Like Gabby, you know, my six-year-old, she'll say, she said to me earlier, <clears throat> she said, Mom, if I get sick, you'll fix me. <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. not a doctor, but all I talk to them about is, you know, when they want to choose something to eat, I'm like, I don't know if that's going to make you feel very good. I don't think that's going to do your body very good. Let's pick, how about, how do you feel when you eat that? Or when, when she'll eat something and then she's like, oh, I don't feel good. I'm like, um, do you think it was maybe that such and such thing that you ate? Yeah, I don't feel good. But it's just making them aware. Like, that's okay. If you choose to eat that, that's Mm -hmm. fine. But just be aware of how it's making you feel. Because I feel like for most of my life, and you probably feel the same way. I didn't pay any attention to how I felt when I ate something. I didn't equate the two. I just don't think so. Didn't really. You got a bellyache. It was just a bellyache. Everybody deals with that, right? Like you just think, oh, that's just normal, but Mm -hmm. it's not normal. And we're finally starting to understand that we don't have to be like that. There, there, you know, we. It's. I don't know. I just feel like we're all getting a lot smarter about what we're eating and understanding that it's really not this foo foo idea. It's a realistic you know, thing that, that we really are, everything we're putting in, we're either, we're either, you know, building, um, healthy cells or we're turning on bad cells. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that's, that's really what it boils down to. Well, after starting this lifestyle and feeling so much better, I have to agree Mm -hmm. that it 
makes a huge difference. Another thing I was wondering about with you, which we haven't Mm -hmm. talked about, and we'll wrap this up here in a minute, but one of the things that I wanted to ask you about is um, I know you've (coughs) suffered for a long time for rosacea and that type of stuff, and I haven't even asked you. So I'm asking you live right now on this podcast, and I want an honest answer. If it's not helped, that's fine, but have you noticed any difference with that? Well, it came along right behind the RA, mm-hmm. um, and I've noticed, and I don't know if there is a connection, connection right, but right. I've noticed so many people with rheumatoid arthritis also have rosacea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder right. if there has been a study done on that. But Yeah, I wonder. But yes, it is better. I still have it, but not nearly as bad. Because I know you, for one, it would, what triggers it a lot with you is like going out in the sun. Oh yes, it would just you. Your the face sun would swell is and terrible on mm-hmm. it, and cold can even bring it out, and stress. Yeah. Oh, if I get stressed or or if I get upset, you know uh-huh. how somebody will oh, yeah. do something and it upsets you. And the red face. I call and... it getting lit up. <laughs> that lit me up because yeah. it does. Yeah, literally. I can feel my face gets so hot and it's yes. like, oh please, I don't want these people even to know. They right, right, this. right. <laughs> You're like, I'm not mad. I'm not, I'm not mad. mad. I'm really not. I don't know <laughs> what's wrong with my face. Oh my <laughs> I don't know why I'm turning double red right now. <laughs> That's how I feel. I feel like, oh my goodness, they're going to look at me and run. Right. Get away. She's about to blow. <laughs> and that's how my yes. face would feel. Yeah. It it gets so hot and and red. <laughs> and I would ask my mom or, or my yeah. sister sometimes, uh, am I lit up? Right. Oh, that's so <laughs> funny. Well, that's interesting. I thought that that's interesting because I just yeah. was wondering about that. And it is better. It's still there, but it's a whole mm-hmm. lot better. Well, and the stress is a huge thing, too, which... Uh, you know, we've talked about on here before. I think yes. that definitely compounded the issues that you've had going on too. Yes, just the stress. Stress is stress is a killer, and people, I think, understanding that stress and sleep and nutrition they really all go hand in hand. Yes, it's figuring a way around all this. We can't avoid any of them. <laughs> we just have to to try and do the best yeah. we can and try to manage that. And they know, I mean, the specialists, the doctors, they know that uh, stress can trigger mm-hmm. RA mm-hmm. flares. Yeah. That easily, because I, if I would go to the specialist over these 11 years or whatever and and be talking to him and I'd say, yeah, I'm in a terrible flare now. And he'd say, well, what triggered it? Has mm-hmm. What's going on in your life? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, so they do understand that. Yeah, they do know mm-hmm. that that, and it really does. Yeah, which, I mean, they, it's interesting to me that they do know that, but they don't really, you know, I mean, it's just they they don't really know how to deal with it. I guess they just say take take yes. this medicine and. And if I told him, oh yes, you know, my granddaughter's ill or my mother's ill mm-hmm. or something, which right. might be true. Uh, which would be true if I told him that. <laughs> yeah, he would just ask me, and I would tell him, and then it, okay. Yeah. That's it. He, uh, he asked what caused right. it, and then that's it. And then that's, that's what it. Not like you know. trying to help you manage it or mm-hmm. learn ways to... It's very interesting. Well, I guess we'll wrap this up, and this has been super interesting talk, and I loved being able to have you on here uh, just because... Number one, so I can 
tell people that the powdered butt syndrome, um, <laughs> can, you can totally break through that. <laughs> yes. um, but number two, because I've seen you, obviously you're my mom, for all of these years be super, super sick. And to see this be this big of a change in your life is unbelievable. It's amazing. And so I just want to be able to people to out there to hear this and understand that there is hope and this can make a big change. There is. Mm-hmm. There really is. There yeah. sure has been for me. And I hope that other people find it. Yeah, I think they will. And this is awesome that you came on here and you took your time to do this podcast because this is going to help other people find it. I hope so. Yay. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Mama. Oh, it's so awesome. So I just love this. I love doing this interview. This was such a great thing. And you know what? If you are listening to this interview and you just, this is like the first time maybe that you have this glimmer of hope. Maybe you're dealing with something. Maybe it's not RA. Maybe it's some other autoimmune condition. Maybe it is some other type of you know, chronic illness that you've been dealing with. I really hope that listening to my mom talk to me during this interview that you were able to see, you know, some hope that maybe you hadn't had before and understanding that it doesn't have to be, you know, this, that doesn't necessarily have to be what your doctors are saying. If they are not talking to you about diet, if they're not talking to you about nutrition and how your food matters and what you're eating matters, then maybe you can, can look at it this way, you know, look at it through these, this lens, get someone that can help you with the nutrition piece and get that dialed in. I mean, I mean, what a a difference this has made in my mom's life. And I can tell you by watching her over the last 11 years, she has gone from someone who just believed that this was just going to get worse and worse and worse because that's what she had been told by the you know, quote unquote experts out there that, um, you know, she just was waiting on it to get worse and worse. And now here she is with all this new hope and, and feeling good and, and her medications are down and her inflammation markers are seriously down. I mean, this has just been absolutely life-changing for her. So I really want it to be life-changing for you guys. So, you know, look, find someone in your area. If not a nutritional therapy practitioner, then look for someone else in the nutrition uh, sphere that can help you and and really get your nutrition dialed in and see what that can do for you. So I hope you guys enjoyed this interview today and I've got several more coming up over the next few weeks that are going to be lots of different topics. Um, lots of great guests that are going to be on and of course all with a keto spin to them and keep an eye out on my website I know I talked about last week that I have a program coming out that you can sign up for that has been slightly delayed partially because I was traveling over this last week and it's kind of set us back a little bit and partially because we've got a few little glitches. I know I told you that we're updating my website and whenever you try to do something like that, of course, there's always some hiccups along the way. 
So uh, we're working on that and hope to get that up for you guys soon and get that running. So just keep your eyes out for that and we'll have some new things on the website that you can check out. And I think that's all I have for you guys for this week. So I hope you have a wonderful week and I will talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Keto Lifestyle Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed what we shared with you today and are looking forward to the next episode.